Hello and welcome to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. My name is Ismael Juan. Happy New Year. Welcome back to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. It's been a long time. I hope everyone has a great 2023. I hope your teams do amazing. Obviously, not everyone's team can do amazing, but we'll see uh, who ends up winning titles in 2023. You know, it's been a while since the last episode, so I want to do a little recap, a little shout out. Shout out to Messi and Argentina for winning the World Cup. It was a very, you know, outside of all the you know, out of field stuff, which is very controversial, and we can all agree to that. It was a very exciting World Cup. You know, there was a lot to talk about. Messi wins it, you know, pretty much cements himself as the greatest of all time. He has that World Cup, completes the trophy case, he completes football. Uh, Ronaldo gets benched. Unfortunate to see as a Ronaldo fan, but you know what? Let's not dive into it. Shout out to Messi for winning the World Cup. Shout out to Argentina. They're still parting it up right now. It's crazy. I mean, I don't blame them. After 30-plus years, Argentina's finally champions again. Shout-out to them. In the NFL, we're, we're you know getting to the playoffs this weekend. Shout-out to all 14 teams that played it, um, that are going to be in it. And uh, let's talk about, you know, we're going to talk about the Packers and Lions and how the Packers get eliminated by the Lions. The Lions look like they've turned a corner, so shout-out to them. Also, week 18 of the NFL was J.J. Watts last game as a professional and man i'm gonna miss him he's a personality he's a great uh football player and you know what just to keep it short and sweet if you you could match up his first five years and compare them against anybody's first five years and jj Watt comes out on top we all talk about you know aaron donald being the greatest defender of all time with the stuff that he's that he's done and he he has been amazing but J.J. Watt was literally like Aaron Donald before Aaron Donald. He was doing it. He was killing it. He was breaking records. He was on ungodly pace for sacks. You know, we could we were looking at his career first five years thinking, like, this guy could really go for, like, 200 sacks. Like, he might he might really, like, go crazy in his career. And then the injuries piled up, and we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But, you know, J.J. Watt retires. We'll talk about that. Uh, in tennis, the USA, Team USA wins. The inaugural uh, United Cup, which is uh, very exciting for USA. You know, Fritz is looking dangerous. Tiafo's confidence is through the roof. He's an entertainer on the court, and now he's pretty much putting everything together. Pajula Pagula beats Swiatek, you know, the greatest female tennis player right now. Makes her look silly in that match. Swiatek, you know, cries after the match. Understandably so. She... She felt like she, uh, you know, she left her country down Poland, but Pajula, you know, she could have a great 2023. Coco Golf, who wasn't there for the United Cup, um, wins another title, first one in like two, three years, I believe. So you know, USA is on the come up. We'll talk about that. It's exciting times for the U.S. right now in tennis, approaching the Australian Open, and in, you know, the world of soccer, the girl, the world of football. You know, I'm still salty. I'm still salty about the Wolves versus Liverpool. 2-2 tie. There's going to be a replay. I believe it got announced. It doesn't matter. I'm still salty that the Wolves' third goal got called for offsides when there was no offsides. It's it's honestly very, very upsetting as a fan of a smaller team to get these calls against you. So we'll touch on that. And, you know, we'll talk about VAR and its letdowns and its shortcomings and how, you know, we're pretty much like, what, year four, year five of VAR. And to be honest, like, yeah, it's good, but ah, 
we'll touch on it. We'll touch on it. And also, Gareth Bale retires. And in my humble opinion, I think he's the greatest British football player of all time. No disrespect to Rooney. No disrespect to, you know, Gerard and Terry and Lampard and, you know, the greats before then. Or even, like, a player right now, like Kane. No disrespect to all of them. I think Gareth Bell is the greatest British player of all time. And I hope he enjoys retirement. I, like, since he retired, there's people talk, keep bringing up, like, the drama and sticky situation he had with Real Madrid towards the end and all that other stuff. Let's just celebrate his career and, you know, wish him a well retirement. But all of that on this episode of the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. The Lions really eliminated the Packers in the last game of the regular season. What what an accomplishment for the Lions, who had very little expectations going into, into this year. They draft Jamison Williams, who tore his ACL in college. You know, they're hopeful that, you know, their offense could look good. They're they're holding on to Jared Goff because he has a lot of dead cap. You know, not not too much, not too much. You know, to look forward to. You're just hoping, you know, Aiden Hutchinson with the second overall pick could, you know, be a consistent impact defensive player. Could help that god awful defense. You're hoping Jameson Williams could heal from ACLs. You know, we've had a lot of progress with ACL injuries over the years. Hopefully, he could come back, impact the offense. And you have, you know, Brown, St. Brown, and Jameson Williams. You have two book and wide receivers. And, and, you know, you see, you start building, you start this rebuilding process. You think you have something in Campbell. You like his character. You like, you know, the way he talks to the press. And you're just hoping to build something. To go from that to finishing the season 9-8 and eight and being half a game out from making the playoffs, eliminating the Packers who have bullied you for the better part of 30 years from Favre and Rodgers. That's crazy. Like, shout out to the Lions. Let's give it up to the Lions for a great 2022-2023 season. Um, but before we continue congratulating the Lions, let's talk about Rodgers real quick, you know? Jamison Williams goes up to him at the end of the game, asking him for the jersey, asking for the jersey swap, which I might say it's a little bit optimistic. Jamison Williams, I like your confidence. I don't know if they talked about it before, but for Jamison Williams, who, you know, He's still not getting, like, the full snap count. He's still coming back from the ACL. He's had some big plays, but he's still pretty much an unknown in the NFL. I think he's going to have a great career, but he hasn't done much in the NFL. Rookie season, you know, played, like, five games, if that, four games, to go up to Aaron Rodgers and ask for that jersey swap. Props to Jameson Williams. I aspire to have that confidence and just go up to one of the greats and be like, yo, we're switching jerseys. Um, But, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is like, nah. I'm going to hold on to this one. And, you know, that got everyone talking on Twitter, you know, on sports group chats, on your fantasy football group chats. Like, yo, Aaron Rodgers might be done. This might be it. This is it. And then the way the camera followed him into the tunnel and he's like walking off with Randall Cobb and they're like embracing each other and they're kind of like looking at each other. And you're like, this looks very cinematic. This looks like a scene from a movie. Like, we're about to cut to the to the to the credits and it's about to be like that's it end of the movie 
So it kind of feels like Aaron Rodgers is done with the Packers. Is he done with his career? Um, and he has been talking about it like the last few seasons about possibly retiring. So we'll see how it unfolds. What do you guys think? You think Aaron? Uh, you think Aaron Rodgers comes back to the Packers for one more year, or you think that's it? You think um, he retires, or you know they trade him? He goes to the Titans, goes to the Raiders, maybe. I don't know. Is he going to be all time, all like a lifer for the Packers, one team, or is he going to go somewhere else? You know, the Titans might, you know, might be intriguing. Go play with Vrabel, but I don't know. Are we reading too much into it? But I don't think we are. I'm gonna hold on to this one. The 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 walking off with Randall Cobb, one of his longtime friends, one of the you know old time Packers left came back. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about of Rogers playing with another team. It's definitely gonna look weird. Uh, I think other teams might be weary that he showed. You know, he wasn't up to the talent that he showed the last two years. Where he, you know, he's been at an MVP level. And, you know, with Wilson struggling, Brady struggling a little bit, uh, old quarterbacks, Matt Ryan struggling, like, is it that attractive to get old quarterbacks at the end of their career? We'll see, but something to keep an eye out, something that's definitely going to be talked about the whole offseason, Aaron Rodgers retiring, coming back to the Packers, going somewhere else. It's going to be interesting. We'll stay up to date. Um, If I had to put money on him retiring, staying, or leaving, Honestly, I think he gets traded. I think he stays, he plays in the NFL, and he goes to a different team. I'm just, that's my gut feeling. But back to the Lions. Enough Aaron Rodgers, they're out. Um, I will say this the, uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, was talking like the Packers had already qualified to the playoffs after week 17 when they were 8 and 8 and they were in a win and in situation. I thought it was a little disrespectful to the Lions. I thought it might come back to bite him, and it did. The Lions had nothing to play for, and they played their heart out. They were calling some dope-ass plays. You know, bubble screen, pitch it back to the running back, run it. Like, it was crazy. What a good offensive play calling by the Packers. I mean, by the Lions. They were playing very free, and you could tell that they wanted to eliminate the Packers. And they do They do it. They go into Lambeau. They get it done. And, man, the Lions are dope. Honestly, the Lions are dope. Like, they're sick. Campbell at first, you know, I thought he was a little too much, but I've grown to like him. Campbell's sick. He's dope. Uh, I, I do worry about, you know, that 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 type of coaching where it's all like bravado and it's a lot of like using your personality and being the biggest voice and biggest guy in the room. How long that could hold on? Like, you, like at some point it's like, okay, dude, like it's your fifth year here. Are you still that pumped up? And like, so... But I do think he's a good coach. He's backed it up this season. I think he's he's a player's coach. He's a good coach. So I think they're going to be trending up. Goff, Jared Goff, man, shout out to you. I was one of Goff's haters or truthers, if I might, if I might say. Like, he was not – I thought his numbers were overinflated with the Rams playing under McVay. I, did, I, th- I thought they were overinflated. I thought those numbers were fake. I thought, you know, kind of like, like Garoppolo, kind of. Like – yeah, 80-yard pass, but you threw it three yards behind the line of scrimmage, and Debo ran it 83 yards for a touchdown. I thought his numbers were a little overinflated. I didn't think he was that good, like because he did have some good seasons with the with the Rams, but you saw the plays, and you know he left a lot of yards on the field, like a 40-yard pass, but the wide receiver had to like you know throw him like make a hard catch when he if you 
put it like more accurate, if you throw a more accurate pass, he stays on his feet and keeps running. Stuff like that. Where I'm like, 40 yard pass could have been 60. Type of stuff like that. But this year, especially the last nine games of the season, Goff, you know, silences his haters, silences, you know, me. And he looks good. He looks decisive on that fourth down, fourth and two, fourth and three to end the game, to send the Packers home. Looks decisive in that throw. And he just looks very, very comfortable in the in the pocket. Shout out to the Lions O-line, too. I did not know that they were that good. But, you know, last few weeks of the season, keeping up on them on red zone and watching highlights and seeing Sunday Night Football, that, that O-line is, is dope. So the offense is definitely sick. You know, they traded their tight end. Hawkinson, but their other tight end looks serviceable. They have two, you know, St. Brown, he's a great wide receiver. His yak is like amazing. Jameson Williams has insane potential. And Jared Goff looks like he could be not just a stopback quarterback, but he could still progress. He's still young. He's 28 years old, very young for a quarterback, especially nowadays. So we'll see. They'll probably resign him. And they have a top five pick, I believe. Or top 10 pick, which is, I forgot how they got that, but they do have a top pick. And they're just going to keep building through the draft. Campbell is that guy. He's a dope-ass coach. With Goff looking like a real quarterback now, Aaron Rodgers might be on the way out. No one really believes in the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. I do like Kirk Cousins, but, you know, no one really thinks that they're going to reign supreme over the over the NFC North for like five, ten years. Like, no one really thinks that, even though, you know, I like what they got going on over there. And I like, you know, their weapons. And I think their coach, first-year coach, did a great job this year. No one really thinks they're just going to take over the NFC North and dominate it for 10 years or five or even three. So it's wide open. I think the Lions, as soon as next year, could be, like, a very interesting pick to win the NFC North. And their defense needs some work. Started off disgusting this season. Um, if they if their defense was just a tiny bit better, the first like six seven games of the season, they're in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs and they're playing this weekend. But Aiden Hutchinson, he looks like he's a real thing. Love the interview after the game. Love his energy. And we'll see. You know, number two overall pick. I think he lived up to it uh, his first year. If you get more talent around him, if you get more pieces on that defense, I think he shines even more next year. And the Lions are sick, man. The Lions are sick. They've been the laughing stock for the NFL for so long. You know, we, in the recent years, we've seen the Browns turn it around a little bit. Right now, we'll see if um, how they do next year. And now we're seeing the Lions turn it around. It's good, man. It's good to see these ones, bottom feeders, you know, bottom of the barrel teams do good. But shout out to the Lions for eliminating the Packers. Great season. Fell a little short, 9-8. and eight. No one, that's like... Six more wins than most people thought they were going to have this year. So on to a great 2023-2024 season. J.J. Watt retires, and although he had a great NFL career, first ballot, Hall of Famer. I mean, he might not even be first ballot with the way that, like, there's a logjam in the in the Hall of Fame voting. Um, but I think he should be first ballot Hall of Famer. And he's one of the greatest defensive players of all time. And he's still... One of the biggest what-ifs in NFL history, in my opinion. Like, if you see J.J. Watt's first five careers, first five seasons, you see his numbers. You see his two, three Defensive Players of the Year awards in the first five years. That's insane. He won three Defensive Players 
of the year in four years. He had two 20.5 sack seasons in his first five five years in the NFL. Like, especially that four-year run, 20.5, 10.5, 20.5, 17.5. Like, that's crazy. Age 25 season, age 26 season, he was destroying the NFL. He looked, He was Aaron Donald before Aaron Donald. He... He was the man. Like, his projections were insane. Like, you you could realistically look at him, and he hadn't missed a game at that point. Age 26, he had not missed a game. He had three defensive player of the years. He had two 20-plus sack seasons. He was scoring touchdowns on offense, like, as a tight end. It was insane. He was carrying the Texans to the playoffs with Matt Schaub as a quarterback. He was scoring touchdowns as a tight end. He was returning interceptions for touchdowns in the playoffs. He was doing everything. He was literally a one-man machine. It was incredible. Like, if you were not watching the NFL during that era, you missed out on one of the highest peaks that any player has ever achieved, ever, on on defense, on offense, ever. And, like, I'm telling you, the projections were insane. Like, <laughs> He was like you could you you could really like look at his career at that point. He hadn't missed a game. He had two twenty plus seasons. He had three um defensive player of the year campaigns. You're like, how many is he gonna end up with? Like three in his first five years? Like even even like lowballing it, you were like, he 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 might end up with five if you lowball it. Like he's gonna play he's twenty six. He's probably gonna play till he's thirty four, thirty five. He's going to rack up like one or two more. Minimal. Minimum. He's going to end up with two, one or two more. This is the things that you were talking about back in 2015. And sadly, he never won another one. He never had another 20-plus sack season. As a matter of fact, he never topped that 17.5 season that he had at age 26 when he won his third defensive player of the year. And sadly, he was just ravaged by injuries. And that's why I think he's one of the biggest what-ifs in NFL history. Like, the man was unblockable. He was ridiculous as soon as the snap, like, tackles for loss, sacks, quarterback hits. All those stats were crazy. Like, there's some players that have a lot of sacks, and that's it. They don't have that many tackle for losses. You know, their quarterback hits are almost even with their sacks which is like it's good i guess cuz they're maximizing their their good rushes but it also means that they're not really rushing the quarterback. JJ Watt was doing everything. He was batting down passes, he was getting sacks, he was getting QB hits, he was getting pressures. He was doing everything. Like man, I wish if you didn't watch it, man, I wish you could have been there to see that. It was ridiculous. And for him to, you know, never miss a game before 2015 and then in 2016 he only plays 3 games. And then the next season, he only plays five. Comes back, has a healthy season, 16 sacks. Second in the uh, comeback player of the year. Looking great, looking good. You know, DJ Watt's back. Next year, only plays eight. Eight games, another injury. Next year, he plays 16, but it's a down year. He only has five sacks. He goes to Arizona, injured again, only plays seven games, one sack. And at this point, you're like, damn, this might be it. Like, 
he's not he's he, he was getting hurt he played like you know the, the season before this one he played all 16 he only had five sacks this year he played seven games he only had one like it's looking bad for my boy jj watt and this year he comes back plays all 16 games has tw- 12.5 sacks and you're like okay good job jj watt like he had a good season it's not great it's not amazing 12.5 sacks it's it's good it's a really good season um and i was hopeful that he would come back he like he still, he, could, he could clearly still get it done but you know i don't know I, i'm not in the mind of jj Wall, but i think he sees this 12.5 season which is kind of sad what i'm about to say but he sees this 12.5 season and he sees it probably as the highest that he could leave the game like like who's to say that he doesn't come back next year tries to play it tries to give it another go and he doesn't get hurt again. Like we've seen his injury history after 2016. He's only had two. He's had three seasons where he's played all six, six, 16 games out of seven years. So half half of the years he's not healthy. More than half of the years he's not healthy. So, you know, as sad as this sounds, he probably looked at this 12.5 season and he's like, you know what? Like I want to leave on a high. I want to leave on a good note. I want to leave as a player that's still serviceable. Like I want the last memory of me to be like you know a 12.5 a season sack player like I, I was good i left as a good player instead of like i left as an injured player or I, or I left as a player that couldn't get it done and which is sad but i mean jj wall he seems like a great person he's always he's i follow him on twitter he's he tweets some some good stuff he seems like a good person he he speaks out on stuff and like i said he's the one of the biggest what ifs he should he's a hall of famer but he could have like really been, you know, the greatest defensive player of all time. And if he would have stayed healthy, we would have had a real debate like Aaron Donald versus JJ Watt, who's who's greatest, who's you know, who's gonna make the Mount Rushmore, or who's the greatest of all time. And you know, it sucks that he was with Houston for most of his career. Like, they're not gonna win. They weren't really ever, you know, they never really had a Super Bowl window, realistically. Even even like his best years, when Shaw was still like like pretty good, and even with Watson, like they were never Super Bowl contenders. And with Arizona, he probably thought you know if he goes there with Hopkins, Murray is a young quarterback. Like they just could never really get it done in the two years that he was there. This year was such a disappointment. So I feel I feel sad for JJ Watt. He never was really part of a team that had a real real shot of winning the super bowl and it's upsetting because he's he's an all-time great but you know i'm kind of glad that he's walking out he's finishing his career healthy playing all 16 games or playing 16 out of 17 games in a in a season now that they're 17 and uh i wish him the best in uh in his future in his future endeavors uh, i hope he stays around in the nfl i could see him being a personality uh, like on a on a NFL talk show, you know, opening up in the mornings, being like in the studio or maybe even doing some commentary. Like he seems to have like a personality and I feel like he's one of those players that'll stick around and, you know, still be around the game. So I'm hopeful for that, especially because his brothers are still in the NFL. Um, TJ Watt and I forget the other guy's name, the fullback. They're still in the NFL, so I think he'll stay he'll stick around. So JJ Watt, best best of luck in retirement. Another player that's retiring is Gareth Bell. He announces his retirement this week. 
He's retired. He's a current, or he was a current LAFC soccer player. Um, they won the MLS Cup, the MLS title this season. Gareth Bell scoring in the final, a header, a very iconic MLS goal to send the game to penalties. But man, I I I said that he's the greatest British player of all time, and I got some you know got some pushback. People are you know throwing around Rooney. They're throwing around you know, Terry Lampard. Gerard, everyone has somebody's scores, but for me, I mean, I'm I'm biased. Like I guess I'll say I'm a little biased because I'm a Real Madrid fan. Uh, I'm a Wolves fan too. So I, as far as the Premier League, I don't think I really have a bias. Um, but as a Madrista, I probably do have you know that Madrid bias going for him. But I'll just say this: you know, he didn't play for England. He played for Wales. He got them deep into the Euros in 2016. Incredible run. They could have possibly made the finals. He he was great that, that year. He got them into their World Cup. He scored a goal in the World Cup. Um, shout out to the U.S. for giving, giving him a penalty so he could score a goal in the World Cup. But, like, he did so much with Wells. He was their star. He was carrying that team. Even in those dark seasons when he wasn't really playing with Madrid, he would always show up for Wells. He would always, like... Gareth Bell hasn't played in like a month with Madrid, but it's international break and you hear like this man scores a banger free kick or it has an cr- incredible run down the sidelines and he gets like a hockey assist and Wales wins and it's just crazy. I'm like, you know, are Madrid watching this? I remember those like, like how come he's not starting with Madrid? Look at him, how great he does with Wales. And, um, and that, that bicycle kick in the final with Madrid, like that was ridiculous. Probably the greatest Champions League final goal in the final of all time. Like that shit was incredible. And uh, I think there's a lot to be said about Gareth Bell going to Spain for the challenge. You know, not staying in in the Premier League and the comfort of the Premier League, and going to Spain, going to a country where you know he doesn't know the language, going with the pressure of going to Madrid with all their history, with, you know, the Galacticos and how much money they put. And Real Madrid is pretty much, Real Madrid is a great club. I'm a Madrista, but I understand, like, it's it's tough to play for Madrid because, like, you can't, like, you have a slump and there's a player behind you ready to go play your position. And, you know, they'll give you a couple games to get back into form. If you're not in form, like, that, the expectations are so high around Madrid that, like, bro, like, you you, you really don't get time to, like, um, work your way back into it or, you know, recover from an injury and take your time. Like, it's just, like, the pressure is so high, the competition is so fierce that you, you really got to stay healthy. And when, you, when you're not healthy, you got to come back and, like, be firing on all cylinders, which is kind of sad. And it kind of sucks, but it's also what makes Madrid great with that philosophy, that competition, that that aggressiveness towards their players. And, you know, the expectations are crazy high. So you got to have a crazy, crazy amount of mental fortitude. I'm not saying Bell didn't, but he was very unlucky with injuries. So I think that played a big factor on why things went sour with Madrid. I remember, you know, a little tunnel vision when you're when you're in it. Like I was very frustrated with Bell with all his injuries. It was like, come on, man, just stay injured. We need you. 
I mean, just stay healthy. Like, stop getting injured. We need you. But when he played, man, he he was great. And, you know, he won. He was he's a key factor to most of those Champions Leagues. There's seasons or parts of seasons where he definitely looked like he was the best player in Real Madrid, even with Ronaldo being there. And overall, I think Ronaldo was the best player for most seasons. But there was definitely, like, moments, times in the seasons where Gareth Bale was, like, killing it. And you were like, "Oh, he's looking like the best player in Real Madrid," and he 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 was he's a big game player. Like that run against Barcelona in the Copa del Rey, a Champions League final, even to a lesser degree. You know, I know people make fun of the MLS, but that goal in the final in the MLS, like big big time players make big plays in the finals. And like I know Rooney has better stats, but he did play striker where Gareth was out wide. But I test. Um, as far as enjoying their games, I, I enjoyed Gareth Bale more. I, I do think he could have probably finished out his career a little bit better, but it is what it is. You know, I, he's healthy. He, he made some money. He he's probably set for you know a couple of generations, generations to come. And he got to play. He got to uh, you know play in the U.S. I did get to see him when they played against uh, um, San Jose Sharks. So that was that was I was happy to see him play live. But yeah, who do you guys think is the greatest British player of all time? I, I do think it's Bell. I could see the argument for Rooney. I could even see the argument for like Gerrard or Lampard. Who do you guys think is the greatest player of all time? I think I think it's Gareth Bell. Like the, the, the goals, the runs that he was doing. He was in his peak with Tottenham. Like I'm thinking Champions League against Inter. And like some runs that he did the year before Real Madrid in the Premier League. Like, this guy was really, like, unplayable. Like, it was ridiculous. That pace that he had was, like, you had never seen that type of pace with on that height since Ronaldo. And Ronaldo had a little more flair, and he's, like, he was a little more skinny build, in my opinion. He had more flair. He, had, he, has, he, had, he was more of a trickster in the Premier League. But Bell was just like a unstoppable force. Like he was a little thicker. He's probably a little bit faster, and he was just like he'll put his head down and he'll dribble and he just go crazy. And it was mostly just straight line speed and cuts, whereas Ronaldo would do a bunch of tricks. But it was just a, a sight to be seen seeing Gareth Bell dominate the Premier League. Like it was insane. And that left foot, like he had a very very polished left foot like that was that left foot was insane like volleys the dribbling the crosses the free kicks like the free kicks were looking nasty like they were really looking like prime ronaldo free kicks like they were in the dip on them the, the uh, it was insane like he was crazy i remember when ramajit signed him i was like bro we really got gareth bell and ronaldo on the same team like pace for days and height and like it was so nasty I, i'm he's he was great bell was great he's a Real Madrid great he's a premier league great and for my money he's the greatest british player of all time so we wish gareth bell a happy retirement have go enjoy the rest of your life i doubt he's gonna stick around the world of football i think he's gonna go play golf he's gonna maybe show up to a couple welsh games and that's about it. He's going to enjoy his retirement, wherever it is. If it's in the U.S., you know, 
welcome welcome enjoy la enjoy hollywood enjoy wherever you retire um if it's somewhere else if you go back to england go to wells have a good retirement man it was a pleasure to see you play but something that wasn't a pleasure something that irks me still to this day uh three four days removed is that VAR decision against the Wolves in the FA Cup match against Liverpool? Like, I've I've had VAR rants already on this on this podcast, and you get you could search it up probably on YouTube or on wherever you listen to your podcast. I've ranted about VAR, and I haven't done one in a while, but it's back. Like the ineptitude and what seems like blatant corruption is insane. Like people were saying like the jokes that were running around when VAR came around was, you know, rip, rip Real Madrid, rip whoever, whichever big team you didn't like, those were the jokes that were being run around. Like rip, rip Barcelona, rip Real Madrid, rip Manchester United, you know, city, whoever was, the big team in your league, all everyone was like rip, you know, like finally we have technology in the world of football. The transparency is gonna be great. There's not gonna be no more swayed decisions. Everything's gonna be transparent. Everyone's gonna be clear to everyone. You're not gonna get these decisions that seem to go in favor of a of a team because they're, you know, quote unquote a great team. And they're getting these calls. These referees are biased. They're, these refs are paid off. You know, all this stuff. And in four or five years of VAR being fully implemented in these leagues, I feel like it's been the opposite. I feel like the big teams get benefited more and more and more. And it's just insane. And, you know, I am a supporter of a big team like Real Madrid. Uh, but I love my Wolves, so I'm I'm speaking as a Wolves fan right now. Like, what the fuck was that against Liverpool? You look at it from any angle that are circling around in you know on Twitter and in the internet, and there's no way that was an offsize. There's no way the, the the delay on the offsize call was like too big in my opinion. Like, it, it definitely there's conspiracies going around about the ref giving the sideline ref a a signal to raise his his uh his flag call off sides i mean i don't know i don't know if i agree with that conspiracy but like i do see the the motion so you know who's to say that's not true also i think i think the newness offsides is circumstantial i don't think that's what the ref was originally raising his his I don't think that's what he originally raised his offside flag for. I think he raised it for Totti, Totti, the guy who scored the goal. And then when it became evident that he was on sides and they wanted the offside to stick, they were like, oh, but Nunes is over there. Like, we can't see that. We can't see him in that camera angle. And, like, that's why that's why he raised his flag. And we can't confirm that he is on sides. So, no goal. When, like, the Nunes play was way at, like, if he's calling offsides for that, that should have been called, like, as soon as it hits Huang's head. Like, Huang's head kicks it back towards Nunez. He goes, gets it. Like, raise your flag at that point. Like, there's there's not really a chance, an imminent chance of goal at that point. The ball is kicked out wide. If you think it's offsides, call it right there. 
But then, you know, Nunes does like a cut, centers it, it falls on somebody, he kicks it, Toti back heels it, Toti and the Wolves start running away, start celebrating, and then he raises his flag. Like, what? Incredible. But, you know, okay, the Rev slagged it to call it. He did call, let's just say he did call the, the offsides on Nunes. VAR doesn't have the whole field available to them. There's not a camera that's that has a, a like that has Nunes on on screen in their point of view in their vision. What's the point of VAR? Like who's running this system? Who's putting the cameras on the stadium? It's Anfield. It's not even like it's not even like a fourth division team, third division championship, League One, League Two. It's a Liverpool, like the second most prominent team in the Premier League these last five, six years. City, Liverpool, the two mainstays, the two protagonists in the Premier League, in English football. They're the two protagonists these last five, six years. And you're telling me that Anfield doesn't have the full field available to be reviewed through VAR? What's the point of VAR? What's the point of VAR? And, like, it's ridiculous. And, like I said, when VAR got introduced, everyone was like, rip Real Madrid, rip Barcelona, rip Manchester United, rip Liverpool. There's going to be transparency. There's not going to be no more cheating. You're not going to get away with this. You're not going to get... And it just seems like it's the opposite. Big teams seems to get more favorable calls of... <laughs> Big teams never get their fouls reviewed. Big teams, if if you push a big team player, automatic check. It's gonna get checked. It's gonna get checked. Just accept it. If if if, if it hits your hand, you're playing a big team, getting checked. Most likely gonna be a penalty. You did this against a big team. VAR is reviewing it. The big team does some does the same thing. VAR doesn't take a look. VAR lets it go. It's insane. And if that's how VAR is going to be run, and if, and if VAR doesn't even have the full field available for their review, what's the point of VAR? Like, let's just leave it to the refs and get mad at refs. And that's how football was, and we accepted it. Like, refs make mistake, human error. It is what it is. It's kind of, it is what it is. That's kind of how you sucked it up back in the day. Not even that much that far back in the day, like five, six years ago. Ref fucked up. Humans aren't perfect. You know, it is what it is. Like, all right, the ref was bought. People were talking about that. Now it just seems like it's systematic. Now it's like, wait, the ref fucked up. The person running VARs fucked up. Um, the league is definitely in it. Like, they want to help the big teams. They're like, it just, what seemed, what, what was initially thought of as a system, as, as a, product that was gonna help bring transparency and help eliminate these bullshit calls that help the big teams it's now like it's helping them even more it's protecting the the status quo it's it's not letting small teams have a fair fight against these bigger teams and it's it's, it's upsetting it's upsetting as a wolves fan and you know, they're going to probably give some whack-ass explanation. If, uh, I mean, I haven't 
whatever explanation they give is going to be bullshit. But, like, if you just think about it, Anfield, home of Liverpool, most winningest team in England, prominent team this last six years, doesn't have the full field available to them for VAR. <laughs> like, what kind of what kind of what kind of shit are you in here? Like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's a joke. I I was never a proponent for VAR, and now it's just it's just, I just seem to be pulling my hair out pretty consistently with these VAR decisions. The, the lack of VAR when you need VAR sometimes, like I there, there's not one weekend of football where I don't see people like that didn't get checked, that didn't get checked, and it's usually you know smaller team that that doesn't get the checks and then it's usually the big teams that get these iffy calls going against them let me not get started with (laughs) argentina and the world cup that's for another episode not today but yeah var var again you know leaves a sour taste in my mouth what do you guys think have you guys enjoyed var um if you guys are fans of smaller teams do you guys remember what i'm what i'm mentioning right now where it's like Rip Barcelona, rip Real Madrid, rip Manchester United, rip uh, Liverpool. You know, VAR is going to kill all you guys' cheating ways. And now you're like, damn, VAR is just helping them out more than the refs were back in the day. But yeah, I'm I'm still very hot about that decision. And hopefully the Wolves are able to win at Molyneux and uh, be eliminate Liverpool from the FA Cup. Lopetegui has done a great job uh, taking over for um, Bruno Lodge. So hopefully the Wolves stay in the Premier League. But good job for Lopetegui. I like him. I think he's going to turn around the Wolves. So let's let's leave it at that. Let's leave on a good note. Shout out Lopetegui. Team USA wins the inaugural United Cup in Sydney, Australia. And I might say like it's things are looking up for American tennis right now. In the men's side, Fritz is looking dangerous. Top 10 player. Finished a great 2022. Finished strong. Looking like he could be a real, real dark horse in the Australian Open. Tiafo's confidence has been at an all-time high. He He's carrying that swag into that into the court. Um, he's doing his little Salt Bay, even though he, maybe he should tone it down after what Salt Bay did at the World Cup. But it's starting to become Tiafo's thing. He, he's confident as ever. He's entertaining. He's an entertainer, and he's playing probably the best tennis of his career right now uh pagula literally making swite cry for being beating her dominating the number one female tennis player in the world and coco who was not there with the united uh united states team at the united cup wins a, a title of her own first singles title in i think two years so things are looking up for for you know u.s men tennis and female tennis right now serena williams retired last year um, she was carrying the mantle for Team USA, for USA Tennis for the longest. Um, it was pretty much just a female's carrying with Serena and Venus being the, the mainstays. The men's side has been struggling since Roddick retired. Since Even when Roddick was playing, he like the latter years, he wasn't really winning stuff like that. So it's been a minute since the men's tennis has really you know given American fans something to be excited about. So Fritz looking dangerous, like he played some pretty high ranked players in the United Cup. You know, he beat Bertini. You know, his ranking fell down a little bit because he was injured, but he was like a top ten mainstay for a while. 
um Hercats, he beat uh he beat Hercats, who you know, he's been like a top t- he's been top ten ish for you know the better part of the last few years. And uh he had a great match against Cameron Nori. He did lose to Nori, but great match against Cameron Nori. Like both of them played exceptional tennis. Fritz looked good, Nori looked good at the end, Nori won. But Fritz, man, I seen him play. I saw him at the San Diego Open two years ago. Um I don't I don't remember if I saw him at Indian Wells last year, but I like what I see, man. SoCal kid. It looks like he's really developing, 24, 25 years old. Um, I think he won. What did he win last year? He won Shanghai first Masters 1000 um, or second Masters 1000. He won, uh, or was it a 500? I think it's a 500. He won Indian Wells. Um, yeah, like I think he has a real shot to go deep in the Australian Open. Um, I will, you know, lower you know, keep my expectations realistic because I thought he was, you know, I thought he could go very deep in the U.S. Open. And he ended up, like, crashing out, like, in the first or second round. And even, I, I follow him on Instagram, so I saw, like, how upset he was. And, and his his uh, his press conference afterwards kind of sad. He was like, like, I feel so silly for even allowing myself to believe that I could win the U.S. Open. But, man, I hope I hope he, he's feeling a little silly right now, man. I think he really has a, a chance to win the Australian Open, go deep and make make a deep run, and we'll see how it plays out. Tiafo also, like, tiafo has been one of my favorite players, and to see him, like, you know, start to put, in, put everything together, like, he's a clutch player now, too. Like, I remember last year he had a great run of uh, just winning tie breaks. He, had, he won, like, seven or eight in a row, which was insane. And now, like, you see him play, and sometimes he gets himself in some sticky situations, and he just serves his way out of it, ace-ace, or, like, you know, backs himself up with his serve. So it's, this is exciting times for American tennis. Like, what do you guys think? Like, how far could Fritz go in the Australian Open? How far could Tiafa go? Could we ha- could we see two, America, two Americans, two male Americans in the top ten by the end of this year? Like, I think Fritz is going to stay there. Like, he seems to have the talent and the form right now to, to keep that top 10 ranking. Tiafo is in the teens right now. I believe he's like 15, 16. So he definitely has a chance to break into the top 10 if he has a good 2023. Coco and Pagula, like, I think they're going to have great years too. Pagula, 28 years old. I think she could use this momentum. Top five player, top five female players right now. She could carry this momentum from beating Switek in uh the united cup to you know make some noise in the australian open coco still young as still young as hell has her whole career ahead of her but to win another singles title after she's been killing it in doubles being like she's probably the best female double player right now and she's 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 a really really good singles player too so good for her for winning another title like i said i'm so pumped for american tennis right now and let me know what you guys think like how far could Americans go in the Australian Open? What are you guys' expectations for Team USA or the Americans this this season? We're at, we're in January. It's gonna be a long season. This is barely the start of the tennis season. Man, tennis is year round. You know, I I've I've been a very casual fan for the longest, just catching you know games here and there. But I've really like hunkered down and become like a real tennis fan. Just maybe two three years ago where, like, I really, like, follow, like, every tournament and try to find a way to watch it. And (laughs) tennis season is long, man. There's, like, tennis every day of the year, it seems like. So 
season started. I'm so happy. We're going to have tennis for like the whole year, basically till November. And, uh, you know, I'll make a Australian Open predictions episode. Um, Nadal's going to go into it as the number one seed. Unfortunate that my boy, my boy Akras is going to miss out with an injury. I just saw an update video that he posted on his Instagram. He's doing a little rehabilitation. So wish him the best in recovery. But that should do it for this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. First one of 2023. And uh, if you made it to the end, thank you so much for the support. And we'll see you on the next episode.